It is Locked On Blackhawks for Tuesday, November 5th, 2019. Jay Zawoski with you here. Locked On Blackhawks is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is game day. The Blackhawks take on the San Jose Sharks tonight at 9 p.m. Central Time. We will go behind enemy lines and tell you what the Sharks have been doing lately. It's not much, to be honest with you. We'll break down some comments from Jeremy Cowden in practice today and take a deeper look at Adam Boquist's first two games of the season so far this year, along with many, many other things that, frankly, I haven't dreamed up yet because sometimes the podcast just kind of comes to me as I'm doing it, which is, I think, how you'd probably want it, right? Anyway, here's how to get in touch with me. Follow the podcast on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. Send an email to LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com. Thanks to everybody once again who participated in Mailbag Monday. If I did not get your question in yesterday, I will be sure to respond to your emails at some point this week. So keep sending them. Even if we didn't get them on, uh, I will respond to them each personally. And of course, if you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 708-653-0572. 708-653-0572. So wanted to share this audio of Jeremy Cowton with you from post-game on Sunday night. I know a lot of people, as soon as that game ended, as soon as uh, Patrick Kane won it in overtime for the Blackhawks, probably headed up to bed. I headed down to my basement to record Lockdown Blackhawks, but uh, just a weird, with the, with the daylight savings thing, where the day, it felt like midnight at like 6 p.m., just a weird day. I could not wait to go to bed on Sunday night. But anyway, here's Jeremy Cowan's comments after the game on Sunday. Um Oh, it's edited. I took some questions out, but he talks about specifically Adam Boquist's start to the season. He talks about Jonathan Taves' sort of recent resurgence and credits Brandon Sod and Alex Nylander with part of that resurgence. Give it a listen. This is uh, courtesy of ChicagoBlackhawkspot.com. By the way, the first response you'll hear is a question about how Adam Boquist has been through two games so far. He's uh, He's been really good, and uh, obviously he does bring that dimension to the power play. He can finish. Uh, he's a great release. Uh, his movement is fantastic back there. I mean, you know, we could have scored in overtime too last night. So uh, clearly, has he's having an impact on the game. But I think defensively, he's been quite good. We feel pretty comfortable with him out there, and uh, obviously, we're trying to protect him when we can. But uh, he's he's made a really good impression so far. After taking the two penalties in the third, did, did Taze feel a little bit more determined than usual? It seemed like he was really out to score quick. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he he wanted to to make a difference in the game. That's you know the type of player that he is. I think he had an excellent weekend. I think both games he was he was very very noticeable um, on the puck, hunting the puck, making a lot of plays out there. Um, I think those those two games are the, I think the best he's played. Taylor's line has been noticeably different the last couple of games, at least possession wise. What what differences? Nylander and Sod. Yeah, I think uh, Sod and Nylander have been two of our strongest players. I think all year. So. Um, they, they're just kind of picking up where they left off and uh, being really, really strong on the puck. Uh, I think, you know, Saad, you know, he's kind of has that uh, reputation you know, throughout his career that he's been that guy to be able to carry the puck and be heavy on it. And uh, I think I said before, I think his puck decisions have been fantastic this year. Really does a good job of, of gaining lines and, and he's still dangerous, but he does it safely. And I think Nylander for... Uh, you know, it's, it is his, basically his first year. I think he's shown a lot of heaviness on the puck, very heavy stick. Uh, he still, you know, he makes young player mistakes at times, but uh, he's uh, he's shown he, he can be someone we can count on. That comment really stood out to me that Alex Nylander has become a guy the Blackhawks can count on. And look, if you've watched 
every game this season, it's hard to make the argument against that. No matter how you felt or continue to feel about the Henry Yokoharu trade, there's no doubting that Alex Nylander has been one of the better and more consistent Blackhawks this year and seems to be getting better every game. I like him on the power play. I mentioned on Monday's podcast how he's starting to assert himself a little more. I think there was some pressure on him early on to not make mistakes, to defer to veteran players, maybe not force things offensively. Now as his confidence is growing and the coach's confidence in him is growing, you're seeing him take some more chances offensively. And again, seven shots on goal against the Ducks on Sunday. Uh, Nylander's been really, really good. And Yokohari's been really good in Buffalo. And we're going to talk to the host of Locked on Sabres soon about that. We want to both catch up with each other and sort of check back on the trade. But so far, so good for both teams on this deal. And the fact that Saad and Nylander are with Taves, that's all of a sudden, Taves has his best two games in a row. Well, when you put him with two of the more consistent forwards on the team, that's what's going to happen. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash right now. Our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. So the first comment about Adam Boquist. Jeremy Cotton obviously raving about Boquist's offense, but then quickly shifted to how good he's been defensively. So let's take a look at the numbers here from Boquist real quick. Uh, in his first two games as a pro, obviously he has the one goal, uh, 25-01 total ice time in those two games. His Corsi 4 percentage, that means shots 4 versus shots allowed, 51.92. So he's above water in Corsi. Scoring chances 4, 14. Scoring chances against, 11. So he's over 50% there, well over 50% actually. High danger chances for 6 while he's on the ice and against 5. So he's been above water on all the important possession metrics. And for a young defenseman, yes, he's playing on your top pair with your best and most dependable defenseman, Duncan Keith, who I think we probably need to spend some time on because he's been really good lately, I think. Um, it's great to see that the defense, the big fear everyone had about Boquist, probably including Boquist himself, hasn't been too much of an issue. Now, Jeremy Cullen did say we've been protecting him a little bit, so I went back and looked at his zone starts. He's starting 66%, actually 67% of his shifts in the offensive zone, and when it comes to faceoff zone starts he's in there 75 percent of the time so Colin is being wise and not putting him in key defensive situations he's not going to start him when he has the opportunity he's not going to start him in the defensive zone uh, on a face-off or on a shift he knows that offense is Boquist game and while he's growing into the defensive game the offense is already there we've seen it on display he is a special player when he has the puck and when he's moving on the power play his confidence, his poise, the accuracy and power of his shot. He's going to be a tool on the power play for years. If they can get that defense to get anywhere close to the offense, Adam Boquist is going to be an all-star. I don't think there's much doubt about it. He's off to a really good start, a really encouraging start. And the thing I liked about him, especially in the LA game, a little more physical than I expected. He, and I'm not saying he's you know he's not laying people out. He's not Scott Stevensing people as they're crossing the blue line, and I don't expect him to ever do that. But he's taking the body. He's winning some board battles. So far, aside from maybe a, you know not a great pass here or there, Adam Boquist is having an A 
season through two games. Not an A+, because there's been a couple mistakes, and Cowan acknowledged those, but man, he's been better defensively than I expected, and Cowan doesn't sound like he's out of the plans anytime soon. I don't know. Maybe this is it. Maybe the Hawks are sort of realizing, look, we can't really rebuild, but we do have some young players that are going to make this team better. And with that in mind, we're looking at some of the forward depth and scoring depth on this team, which hasn't been great. Dylan Secura scored a hat trick for the Ice Hogs the other night. And if you're looking for a forward to potentially come up and shake things up, that could be the guy. I do think, almost by necessity, something's going to have to give here. There's going to have to be a trade made at some point soon. Because when Connor Murphy comes back, you've got a lot of players on the blue line of this team. Maybe you send down Boquist, but are you really better off doing that? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what comes transaction-wise in the coming weeks. But the Hawks know, and Stan Bowman especially knows, they need to start picking up some wins and picking up some wins now. And if these young players give them a better chance to do that, as it appears they do, it might be some veterans heading out. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And as I just said, with Connor Murphy due back soonish, not any day now, but any week now, Connor Murphy will be ready to return to the lineup after getting off long-term injured reserve. Something's going to have to give on the Hawks' blue line. And you've got Seabrook, Keith, Dahan, Mata, Gustafson, Gilbert, Cuckoo, and Boquist on the roster right now. You've already healthy scratched Gustafson and Seabrook. Slater Cuckoo's in and out, as you sort of expect him to be, as the bottom of the roster guy, so is Dennis Gilbert. This is something we've been discussing all season. And with Eric Gustafson as a pending unrestricted free agent at the end of the season, making $1.2 million, if over this next span of games, however long it is until Connor Murphy's back. If Boquist continues to play at the level he's played through two games, and again, small sample size, I'm acknowledging that. It's a very small sample size, so it's hard to glean too much from two games. But so far, so good. Two road games against, yeah, lesser opponents, but still, Boquist has been pretty solid. If that play continues, Gustafson is a luxury you don't need. And I'm not even sure you need him if Boquist isn't playing well. Maybe I'm down on him too much. Maybe I've just never been a fan of Eric Gustafson, and I'm acknowledging that possibility. What I saw last year, 60 points, power play whiz, all those things, I never truly really bought into it. It was nice. It was unexpected. And look, he was probably better than anyone expected him to be. But he's 27 years old. He's a pending unrestricted free agent. And you could say maybe his trade value is down lower now than it's ever been. But if you can get a pick for him or you can get a decent prospect for him, I'd move him out. I'd move him out soon. I'm not, you know, there's nothing about losing him that worries me. Michael Kempney is a good example. A guy that could not get in the good graces of Joel Quenville goes to Washington, and is an important contributor to a Stanley Cup. It worked out for him, and it worked out for the Capitals. It was never going to happen here. And I don't think Gustafson is going to turn things around enough this season 
to justify not moving him out when Connor Murphy returns or sooner. Because if Boquist continues playing this way, you're not going to take him out. You're not going to have him on the NHL roster and not playing. Of course, sending him back to Rockford is an option. But again, if he's performing at this level, there's no point in that. He's one of your top six defensemen already. So he should be playing. Would you rather see Boquist play and make an occasional mistake or see Dennis Gilbert or Slater Cuckoo play and make an occasional mistake? At least with Boquist, you've got the upside of the offense and the power play contribution. The drop-off defensively from Boquist to these other three is not that huge to me. I like Slater Cuckoo's not a shutdown defender. Dennis Gilbert's been solid in the games he's played, but they're totally different guys. I think there's a place on this team for Dennis Gilbert. Gustafson? Meh. I'm ready to move on. I know a lot of Hawks fans are, and I know sometimes that can come from a place of anger or frustration, but I'm just being honest. It's a guy that, unless they're Stanley Cup contenders, and based on what we've seen through the first month of the season, they sure as hell are not, there's no point in hanging on to him. If you really thought you had a shot at winning the Cup this year, or at least making a long playoff run, and who knows, maybe you get hot at the right time, then you hang on to Gustafson. But the way things are going and the way the roster is starting to take shape with now Doc here the whole season and Boquist called up, they're showing a willingness to go young. And Alex Nylander playing, the youth movement is here. It's begun. And while you can't really do a full rebuild with Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, Corey Crawford, etc. on the roster with all those veterans, you can at least start to integrate some of these young guys, so when those guys are ready to retire and move on or move to a different team after their free agency or once their free agency hits, you'll have that next generation ready to go and ready to step up. What we don't know yet is do the Blackhawks have Taves and Kane type players in their system yet? I don't think they do. I mean, look, you're talking about three surefire Hall of Famers. Taves, Kane, and Keith. You might have some pretty good players set to replace them, but I don't see the franchise-type player yet. And hopefully Kirby Doc can evolve into that. Him and Taves are both number three overall picks. But Taves was more of a sure thing when he came out. I'm not sure the same can be said for Kirby Doc. And again, I love the kid. I'm glad he's here. I think he's playing well. I like what I've seen from him so far. But I'm not ready to say just yet that he's going to be a perennial all-star, Hall of Famer, you know, point per game, two-way forward. I'm not ready to say that yet. No one should be. There's hope and there's there's signs that things look good with Kirby Doc, and there's been moments where you say, wow, there it is. That's why you take that kid at three. But the consistency hasn't been there yet. Remember, Jonathan Taves stepped in right away and contributed. He was one of the Blackhawks' best players from the day he stepped on the ice. Same with Patrick Kane. Doc and Boquist have been good. I just don't know if the Hawks have that next generation of superstar yet. And if they continue to play the way they're playing this year, they're going to have a lottery pick again, and maybe that's where that guy comes, but that's a tough thing to hope for. It's not a really great recipe for success.
Time to go behind enemy lines here on Locked On Blackhawks, your team every day. We are, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks so much for joining me today and every day. Uh, hopefully, if you like the podcast, you've told a friend, you've subscribed, you've rated, you've reviewed, all those great things you can do to support this podcast or any podcast you like. Tell a friend. That's really the best thing you can do. But those five-star ratings and those reviews are really, really helpful. It helps propel us to the top of those lists. And when you search for hockey podcasts, Locked On Blackhawks is already top 10 in most lists you see. So thank you all so very much for your support. Of course, check out my other podcasts, the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. It's longer form with my co-host James Naveau. We're going to do one, uh, one. Actually, one was released last night. So make sure you go check that out. Totally different format from Locked On, totally different content. So if you're craving Blackhawks content, Locked On Blackhawks and the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast have you covered. All right, let's take a look at the San Jose Sharks. And truth be told, I had not realized how bad the Sharks have been playing. They are dead last in the Western Conference with nine points in 15 games. They are 4 10 and one 3-6-1 over their last 10 games. They are losers of five straight and have a minus 20 goal differential. You'll remember back on October 10th, the San Jose Sharks beat the Blackhawks 5-4. to At that point in the season, the Sharks were 0-4. So hopefully the Blackhawks are not what the Sharks need to get off their slides. Um, but this is another winnable game for the Blackhawks. And while we see you know, the game against the Kings was very winnable, they took a point. They played horrible, but they took a point. The game against the Ducks was winnable. They won it. Started off good, ended bad, but got the two points. San Jose's another game where you can start to pick up some points. And look, the schedule doesn't get easier from there. After the game tonight, Vancouver Thursday, Pittsburgh Saturday, Toronto Sunday, Vegas Wednesday, Nashville, Buffalo, Carolina, Tampa, Dallas twice, Colorado twice. These winnable games must be won. When we look at the Sharks' leading scores, no surprise, in 15 games played, Brent Burns is at the top of the list with 14 points. He's got three goals and 11 assists. Evander Kane has played 12 games and has 12 points, including eight goals. Thomas Hurdle in 15 games has 12 points, including four goals. Logan Couture, one goal, nine assists in 15 games. Eric Carlson, one goal, nine assists in 14 games. When we look at the Corsi 4 percentage comparison, the Sharks are 50.17. They're 14th overall in the NHL. This is an even strength 5-on-5, five five, obviously. The Blackhawks are 27th with a 47.29 Corsi 4 rating. Over the last 10 games in the same category, the Blackhawks are 22nd with a 48.59 Corsi percentage. The San Jose Sharks are 48.8, 23rd in the NHL over the last 10 games. When it comes to high danger chances, the Blackhawks are 28th with a 44.26%. They have created 104 high danger scoring chances and allowed 131. The San Jose Sharks have created 111 of their own and allowed 138. So pretty even when you look at the numbers between the two teams. Um, but look, desperation is going to be a factor for both these squads. And looking ahead at this Hawks schedule, these are two points the Blackhawks absolutely need. 
with some of the juggernauts they're going to be facing over the next stretch here, every winnable point must be taken. Because you hope they can eke out one of these wins against one of these better opponents. But you got to play Nashville in Nashville. You've got to play Vegas in Vegas. You've got Dallas and Colorado on the road towards the end of the month. So some tough, tough matchups coming up. Look, as bad as we feel about the game in L.A., they took a point. The way the Ducks game ended didn't feel great, but they took two points. That's a start. If they can get off this three-game set with L.A., Anaheim, and the Sharks taking five of an available six points, I don't care how bad the possession numbers were or the shots on goal were or whatever. If they can walk away with five out of six points, that is a huge, huge win for the Blackhawks, who need every point they can get. Look, November could be a make-or-break month for the Hawks. And I had an email or a mailbag Monday yesterday asked me, like, what's the over-under for Jeremy Cowden being fired December 1st? It's not a bad number because you can know a lot about this team by then. And you'll have an idea probably sooner than that, but I would say by December 1st, we'll know for sure whether or not the Blackhawks are a playoff quality, playoff caliber team. They're going to need to have some good performances against good teams. And hopefully this time on the road uh, and some success, if you want to use the air quotes around success, picking up some points here lately, and the growth of some of these young players will sprout into a better understanding of the system, some sustained success, some better overall performances, and some points where you didn't expect them. Because there's not that many teams you can look at in the National Hockey League and say, this is a team the Hawks should beat. No, you know, no questions asked. I don't know if there's any teams in the league like that anymore. But San Jose, at the bottom of the Western Conference, is one of those teams that right now, they're hurt, they're down, they're feeling like crap, they're playing like crap. Take advantage and take the two points away from the San Jose Sharks tonight. Puck drop at 9 o'clock. I'll be recording Locked On Blackhawks for Wednesday very, very late tonight. So hopefully I still have a voice. And thank you all, by the way, for bearing with me over my three-week-long cold. This is ridiculous. I'm so tired of it. I have to keep pausing and editing out my coughs. It's ridiculous. I think you hear my voice fading as the podcast goes on, but there it goes. Anyway, thank you so much for bearing with me. We will talk to you tomorrow, Wednesday, on Lockdown Blackhawks, hopefully talking about a Blackhawks win over the San Jose Sharks. My name is Jay Zawoski. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.